it, so call me back. Okay, love you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Emotionally Online, the show for spilling guts and sharing secrets, hosted by yours truly, the sleepover connoisseur, the sleepover expert, perhaps even the inventor of sleepovers. Nobody has proven that to be incorrect so far, at least. Maddie Drosbeck, who is the inventor of sleepovers? Mango, any thoughts? None. No thoughts. Head empty. She's such a sweetie, this one. Yeah, she's making me anxious now. Uh, On the comments of every single episode, people talk about how I always leave my drink on the arm of the couch and it stresses them out. And then Mango comes and she walks up right next to it like she's going to knock it over. I mean, she's never done that. She's never knocked over any of my drinks. I myself have never knocked over a drink that I've balanced on the arm of the couch. But I do understand why it's anxiety inducing. Am I going to stop doing it? No. (laughs) This is my house. Okay. I live alone. These are all of my things. If I drop this plastic cup on the floor, what's going to happen? Nothing. If I drop it on the couch, what's going to happen? Nothing. Maybe the couch will get wet and I will clean it. Like this is the joy and the beauty of living alone. Mango is so funny. She's like, you're recording. It's actually, it's time for you to hold me now. Anyways, hello everyone. <laughs> Just rocking my child while I'm recording. Um, how are we doing? How are we feeling? It's been a good week. A better week than the last. I'm actually going to LA in two days to visit my sister, which I am in like desperate need of some sister time right now so I'm excited to be going even though it's just for a few days I'm only there for the weekend basically come back hosting a dinner party we've got Valentine's Day to look forward to little lover's holiday and then before you know it it's gonna be my birthday March 5th everybody warning you now put it in your calendars I'm turning 26 I feel pretty excited to be 26 seems like an old number like I don't know that I've had a birthday yet in my life where I've been like wow that's crazy that you're that old like I don't know maybe 25 sort of felt that way but 26 feels like the first age where I'm like wow you're like an adult adult like 26 I feel like when I heard the the age 26 when I was in you know high school or even college I was like wow they're like full adults like 26 just seems so seems like a good year I'm very excited to be 26 (laughs) we've got so much to fucking talk about today first of all I want to talk about some recent internet drama and then we'll go into some audience submissions and then of course what you've all come here for the Love Island week to recap at the end all right so if you're late if you've not caught up yet I always put that at the very end of the show. So you just stop watching before the Love Island segment and that's the only thing you'll miss. All right. My accent's very bad today. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Okay. Internet drama. Because I love talking about the internet, what the people are doing, what they're thinking, what they're talking about, what's going on in the internet community. And I have literally nowhere else that I can talk about this. So we're talking about it today. And also I'm late on this and it's not even my fault that I'm late on this. I'm not like personally late on this talking about it on the podcast. I'm late on this because I think this story first came about like last Tuesday, which I recorded the podcast last week on Monday, went up on Wednesday. So by the time this would have been interesting or like new to talk about, the show was already recorded and accounted for and whatever. So you might have heard everyone under the sun talk about this at this point. But listen, I've still got thoughts. I've got things to say and we're going to talk about it here as well. <laughs> Welcome to the sleepover, baby. We're dissecting what people are doing on the internet. So mascara gate. If you haven't heard of it, I'll give you a brief recap before we dive into sort of my thoughts on it at large. So 
basically there's this TikToker named Michaela Naguera, who she's basically like the biggest beauty creator of right now. Um, and has been for quite some time. I want to say she has like 14 or 15 million followers on TikTok. Um, she is like a small town Boston area type girl, thick Boston accent. And she really like rose to fame on the app because she was seemingly like a very normal, relatable girly, even though I, I hate the word relatable. It's the bane of my existence, but I don't have a better word to use in this situation. <laughs> she, I think people just love her because she's very honest, very straight to the point, but she's also like very excitable. And it, I think it's just fun to watch someone be so passionate about something. I feel that way at least. I love passionate people, even if I'm not personally interested in the topic that they are passionate about. I just love seeing people really truly love something. And I think it's obvious that Michaela is just like such a makeup fan, you know, and people have always liked her videos because she is, um, yeah, she really does just come off as like a normal makeup fan from the Boston area with a thick, funny Boston accent, um, who's just hanging out, talking about products that she likes or doesn't like and testing them out. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm obviously I'm not on TikTok anymore. How many times do I have to say that? But I, I, I'm familiar with Michaela. Um, I like her videos. I don't consume that much beauty content transparently, or the beauty content that I do consume is more in the skincare space. I was probably more interested in makeup content when I was younger and now I just feel like I've got my routines down. I know what products I like. I'm not as interested in like trying a bunch of like all the new products that come out the way that I was when I was younger. It's one of those things where it's like, well, maybe I eventually try it if I think about it enough. But otherwise, it's it's just it's not something I'm super interested in. And like, uh, I have to try every product. I have to follow every launch. I have to know about everything um, in like the makeup space. I definitely care more about skincare, but above all, I care about fashion. <laughs> so my interest is more in like the clothes area of things. Anyways, getting off topic already. That's who she is. That's Michaela. And the drama that has unfolded is basically Michaela posted an ad for L'Oreal it was for a mascara of theirs um and midway towards the end of this mascara review as she's raving about how it makes her lashes look like falsies and it's so incredible she can't believe it she's like looking from side to side being like oh, look at that length look at that volume and um she throws on a pair of false lashes she throws on some little demi wispies towards the outer corner of her eye, like towards the end of the video so that I guess she thought that people maybe wouldn't notice that she did that. Um, but obviously that sucks that like <laughs> you're one of your most trusted, most famous, most loved beauty gurus um, has just posted an ad that is incredibly deceitful and they're known for being very honest, uh, very like off the cuff. You you trust her and she's just totally obliterated that trust in a 60 second mascara review. So people immediately started calling her on it um, because it's kind of hard to mistake the difference between mascara and falsies. Like, if someone magically gains 25 more lash hairs than they did before, you can tell. Um, it, we all know the visual difference between mascara on natural lashes and falsies, especially if you're, like, a beauty fan. Like, maybe, I don't know, fucking men that know nothing about makeup might not be able to clock that. But any anybody who's, like, even remotely familiar with makeup would know that so I don't really understand how Michaela didn't think her audience would clock this 
and I think at first a lot of people were trying to give her the benefit of the doubt being like oh you know a lot of beauty gurus will throw on fake lashes at the end of their videos um and it's not that she's trying to lie to you it's just like the finished look is with the falsies even though it's a mascara review I don't really understand that line of thought but so people were trying to give her the benefit of the doubt saying stuff like that there's obviously other people in the comment section being like, why are you wearing falsies? Girl, you think we didn't see those demi wispies all of a sudden appear halfway through the video? But Michaela was responding to those comments being like, no, I'm not wearing false lashes. Like, do you really think L'Oreal would let me post an ad where I'm wearing false lashes? And just going back and forth with people saying that they're wrong and that they're, they're proving her point that the mascara really is that great because she's fooled them into thinking that she's wearing falsies, even though people have zoomed in on her eye and can see that there's a whole new set of hairs that appeared. It's not about length. It's about all of a sudden there's all these brand new hairs that didn't exist before that are now on her eye. And this isn't Michaela's first controversy. She's had several different controversies this year, the most notable of which was probably... Uh, the, the Kim Kardashian equivalent. The, it's the get your fucking ass up and work. <laughs> it's whatever she did that was the equivalent. She was like, um, I just finished work and it's 5.45 p.m. Like you try being an influencer for a day or something like that. It was a clip that was very taken out of context, but even with the context, it didn't make her look great. Um, and so she's definitely had a few moments over the last year that was just like, yeesh, what is going on there? And even with that, like, I, I do feel a lot of empathy for the girl, which I'll get into the more that I say my opinions here, because I do feel empathy for her. And I I just believe that she's a sweetheart. I do. And I, I, I feel like maybe she's just gotten a little lost in the sauce <laughs> and she's had like her life totally turned upside down and changed in you know a really short time span to go from being like a normal girl two years ago living in suburban Massachusetts to now being the biggest beauty guru on the platform having like hundreds of thousands of dollars thrown at you on a monthly basis um yeah I can imagine if you're not someone that has a great support system in place or you're not um like seeking out mental health care during such a trans transition period in your life that it might I I can imagine that is a lot of pressure and is like a heavy weight to bear at times and I can have empathy for the fact that it is probably you are probably more likely as a person to um, make mistakes and have shitty opinions when you're going through that. Um, so I can hold space to be like, I think she's a good, a, a sweetheart. I do. I just feel like maybe she's been sort of sucked into this whole world of brand deals and money and you know, being this icon that maybe she's just sort of lost her way a little bit. And maybe I'm being too generous with my analysis of this here. Um, because I, if you ask me my thoughts on this whole mascara gate thing is I think it's like really fucking awful. I think it's despicable for a lot of reasons. So understand that my, like, uh, my, grace here that I'm trying to give her is not because I don't see anything wrong with what's happened I see a lot of things wrong with what's happened but um I also don't believe in like dogpiling people on the internet for making mistakes I think there are ways to call things out and say that's not okay we as like consumers as audience members won't accept that without being like this is a bad person um and maybe I'm wrong so while I definitely have a lot of criticisms, which I'm about to get into, there's also part of me that like feels kind of sad for her because she just, she does come off like a, a sweet girl to me. Um, but I think maybe she's just a little lost right now. I don't know. But when I first saw it, I was kind of like 
that's insane. <laughs> like that's unbelievable to be a beauty guru who, if you make beauty content in general, your whole like thing you do on the internet is review products and let your audience know what is worth their money and what is not being in the beauty space as a content creator. Like you are more intertwined in like being a spokesperson for products than a lot of other sort of categories on the internet are. I just think that like the beauty world is so it's like launch after launch after launch. It's new product after new product. And, um, naturally I think that these types of creators, develop relationships with their audience where there's a lot of trust there if this is a person that you watch regularly and you've seen them for a while they've steered you right a lot of times with products um you like just like them as people there's definitely a lot of like purchase um motivation that comes from a beauty creator that you like recommending a product Um, and obviously people have a lot of thoughts about influencers and the way that they trust influencers in general, which that is like my, this is the part of this that I feel the most like about because people already have like sort of a negative view on content creators because of, you know, these really big content creators that do shitty things and they get all the press for it. And then all of the smaller content creators or not even small content creators, but just like content creators that aren't, uh, being talked about in mainstream media. Um, all of those people who don't lie, like get negatively impacted by other creators acting like this. It like when, when the big ones act like this, it, 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 it's like a stain on everyone's credibility, which I think is the, the most frustrating part about it because it's like already so difficult to, uh, like gain people's sort of respect as a content creator a lot of times. And I think it, it's only made harder when you have situations like this pop up, especially from people that people really believed wouldn't lie to them. It just feels like your one and only job as a, as a beauty reviewer is to tell the honest truth about those products. It is frustrating when influencers accept sponsorships from brands uh, or products that they clearly don't like across the board Um, but I find it especially frustrating when it is coming from influencers that literally have the world at their fingertips. They could work with any brand on the face of the planet. Everyone wants to work with them. And it's an amount of money that is truly unfathomable, um, that is going to these large creators, these big, like when you have millions and millions of followers and you're known as being like, she's the beauty guru of right now. I can't even explain to you how much money this girl is making, how much money she gets per video. And that's the frustrating part because there is like no reason why she needs to be accepting sponsorships from brands that she doesn't totally fucking love because the brands that she totally fucking loves absolutely are offering her work as well. And don't get me wrong, it's frustrating when anyone does it because, again, it's one of those things where because people have this idea that content creators are untrustworthy or they lie for a check, like that reflects poorly on all of us. (laughs) That makes it harder for everybody else who doesn't lie, who is trying to make a career working for themselves, making their videos. And naturally, we have to take on sponsorships to be able to do this in order to push out regular content on a weekly basis at the volume that content creators do, like we need money. (laughs) We need to be able to turn this into a viable career path. So sponsorships are the way that we do that. Like 80% of my income comes from the sponsorships that I do on my YouTube channel. If I didn't do my sponsorships, I wouldn't be able to do this as a job. It is so important to being a content creator is taking on those sponsorships and creating a relationship with your audience where 
you are able to promote brands that you love and your audience trusts you on that and the brands that you love are paying you to talk about that. That's a fantastic little handoff. I love you. You love me. I talk about your products. You give me money. I get to make my silly little videos for a living. It is amazing. It's great. It's a great handoff, but it's made a lot harder when there are creators that put like such a stain over the community in general, and it weakens people's trust in the people they follow online. Now, I think a lot of times you can, well, I don't know if you could tell in this situation, but I think a lot of times you can tell when creators are bullshitting. Um, this situation particularly sucks because I don't think anybody would have been able to clock that Michaela could have possibly been bullshitting them in the past. Um, but I think a lot of times with creators, like you can tell which, which creators accept anything for a check you know the schmanish mojos of the world (laughs) who who, uh, you might not be trusting every word she says you don't follow her because you trust her you follow her because she's a train wreck and she's super fun to watch she's ridiculously entertaining even if she's also ridiculously problematic and I think a lot of people like with influencers like Tana they sort of accept that she's a untrustworthy figure that she is, um, you know, you sort of get what you get with Tana. And I think she's very blunt in a lot of ways when it comes to her life. But when it comes to like brand deals and doing things for a check, I think it's always been honest that obvious that Tana does a lot of shit for a check. So I, I think a lot of people, they are like, fine with influencers lying when it's people like Tana who are like so blatantly doing shit for money and they just own it versus someone like Michaela who they thought was very honest and uh, like wouldn't do something for a check. So I think they're more critical towards people like Michaela, understandably, um, because they really believe that she was always telling the truth and that she couldn't be swayed by money to say or do things for brands. Um, they thought that her opinion was, you know, fresh out the brain. <laughs> she just said exactly what she was feeling, but now it's brought sort of everything into question. If she's willing to put on false lashes and sit there and be like, isn't this an amazing mascara while knowing that she's wearing false lashes. Um, but I thought it was interesting because I, I'm, I follow a lot of beauty creators who've been talking about this over the last week. And, um, my friend Rudy, the Rudy Berry, she's on like literally every single social platform. She's amazing. You should definitely follow her. She's one of my favorite beauty creators to follow, but she had posted something on her Instagram story. Um, just like talking about how like surveying her followers on how they felt following the Michaela situation because someone had messaged her being like, you know, I, this isn't surprising to me because I never trust anything that content creators say. And Rudy was like, you know, that's fair that you say that, but what do you feel about my content then? Like, what do you feel when I do brand sponsorships? Um, like, do you, do you feel differently towards me or do you assume that I'm also a liar because that sucks you know like no one wants to be assumed that they are not telling the truth um those of us that really enjoy this career (laughs) and want to be able to be ourselves and make fun videos and share our passions with people online while being truthful and true to ourselves uh, those of us that do care about our audience members and have no interest in lying to them, that sucks that that would reflect on other people and that people will be like, well, obviously influencers lie. And it's like, okay, well, some of us don't. <laughs> and I would like to not be lumped in with those people. <laughs> but at the same time, I understand why people have that reaction to content creators And it's, we're not even talking about the fact that it's extremely illegal. (laughs) We are required by law to disclose our sponsorships, to be totally upfront, non-deceitful in those sponsorships. Um, She's not allowed to do what she did. And you would think that she would know that, especially considering she's got like a whole team of people behind her. And I, 
L'Oreal definitely knows that too, though I have heard that they've gotten into a, they had a controversy like this before several years ago in like 2014. I don't know all the details of it, but I've heard that L'Oreal has gotten clocked for doing stuff like this before. And you know what? Obviously we don't know what's going on behind closed doors here, but I wouldn't put it past a brand to have asked her to do that. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe it's not what happened. Maybe L'Oreal asked her to do that just for the final shot. Maybe she did it without them asking. I don't understand how this whole thing went down, honestly. How did how many people looked at this and was like, yep, that's good, before it went live? You would assume at a brand like L'Oreal, it's got to fucking be seen by a lot of people. I think a lot of times with smaller brands, there's less people in the review process. But at a brand like L'Oreal with a big time influencer like Michaela that they're definitely paying a truckload of money to post that video for like this had to be reviewed by so many people. And they were just like, word, that's good. Post that. (laughs) And the other part of this was at first when the video was posted, um, there was no paid partnership label on the video that got added later on. And at first it was just like the hashtag L'Oreal partner on the screen, but it was sort of hidden underneath the captions, which a lot of creators do. What, I don't fucking understand it. I don't understand. I truly, I do not understand why people act like this because if you're taking on an ad, if you're taking on a sponsorship, you have to make sure it is abundantly clear that is a sponsorship say it verbally, have a hashtag ad on the screen. Your thing has to be in the first line of the description box. Like these are laws in place um, to make sure that we are complying the same way that any other advertisers would comply. Um, And from the start, it just seemed like she was trying to hide that it was an ad, which You'd be surprised how many brands ask creators to hide that it is an ad um, when they post content to to put it in, you know, an inconspicuous location to not say, hi, this video is sponsored by this brand. You'd be surprised how many brands, knowing that it is against the law, will ask creators to be low-key about the fact that it's sponsored because they know that they'll get more click-throughs. It'll be a higher purchase rate if people believe that this is a totally organic inclusion because people don't trust influencers. Oh, it's so fucking annoying because it's like you're making it worse. So anyways, I just think that you'd be surprised how many people are unscrupulous. I've been waiting to use that word today. But it sucks because for those of us that really love our career in the content space and know that in order to pursue this as a long-term career, sponsorships are so important to that. Sponsorships are a necessary part of the creator landscape and it sucks that, um, you know, successful partnerships from honest creators are made more difficult by people who lie. And so people lose trust for influencers as a whole and it ends up negatively impacting the people that are telling the truth. So are my neighbors having sex right now? This is such a weird time for me to realize that. But like, was that like a cry of pain or pleasure? Did you guys hear that? It's like 4 p.m. Wow. Anyways, isn't that a crazy way to end this segment? (laughs) Definitely very disappointing. Um, And we'll see how this plays out. What happens next? Not sure where it's going to go from here. Um, We'll see if there's any legal action that's actually taken because of all of this. It's very possible. This has become a very big story. Um, but even with all of that, like I said earlier, I do have empathy for her. And there's a part of me that just feels like, come on, like you, you can do better than this. And like, I, I think that you are good. I think you have a good heart and I want to believe you're a sweetheart, but 
don't know. Maybe you're just a little, you've just lost your way a little bit. I want to believe that that's what it is. I just like, I, yeah, I, I'm not personally a fan of like labeling people as irredeemable or like she can never be seen as trustworthy again because of this, Uh, because I, I just don't, I think people can change and people make mistakes and I like to give people grace to do bad things. Good people can do bad things and I like to give people grace in that capacity. Um, But yeah, she's going to have to do some work now to sort of repair her image and prove to people that she is a good person who made a bad choice here and that, you know, people can trust her opinions and that you know, she's, she's in this for more than just a check. So it's going to definitely take some repair work, but I, I I don't like painting people as like, they're good and we love them. And then they do this thing and now they're bad and we hate them. And I just, I think that it's good to give people the opportunity to do better. It's good to call people out and to criticize and say, Hey, this isn't okay. As consumers, we don't like this. This is not fucking cool. But, um, yeah, I think giving people the opportunity and chance to do better is important. But if you give them that opportunity and they do nothing with it, then what happens to you from then on out is none of my business. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm rooting for Michaela. I hope that she learns from this, reflects, has a moment of like, what the fuck am I doing and sort of gets back to where she was when she first started making content because I think that there were many eras of Michaela where she was like um just a fun makeup fan who had who's gotten like a chance of a lifetime to turn this into a full-time career and this is clearly her dream and I love that for her and I just yeah I hope that she she can get back to that and learn something from this Sar. I've been talking for a long time, but I still want to go through some of the submissions in the box before I talk about Love Island, which we have so much to talk about on Love Island this week. But let me do like one or two for the submissions and then we'll go from there. All right. First up in our submission box, we've got a message that reads as follows. Hi, Maddie. As a fellow hot girl, I followed you through your year of being single until I met someone in December of 2021. He was an old friend, but we quickly became something more. We dated for a year, spending almost every day together, going to the same college, having classes together. I even got him a job working with me outside of school. We recently broke up and I am trying to give myself grace for all of the lessons I've learned in my first real relationship and subsequent heartbreak. But my biggest regret is that I didn't make or maintain a single friendship while we were together. With college about to come to an end, how can I make new friends and reach out to old ones? For starters, I just want to say that I think that it is amazing that you are leading with grace for yourself through all of the lessons you've learned in this time, during this time. Um, It's tough because I think this is a really common sort of thing that happens, especially when people enter their first relationships or, you know, they're really enamored with someone for the first time and that becomes their whole world and people sort of forget about everything else that was important to them before the relationship and is still important to them, but um, it just, it it gets moved down the priority list in a way that sometimes can result in the end of those other relationships, those other friendships. And I think it's, it's painful for both people in different ways. I think, um, you know, being the single friend more often than not, I can definitely speak to the other side of it where, it's super hurtful when your friends enter relationships and then just sort of forget you exist and come back around the second they're not in the relationship. I think as a friend, it can make you feel like you're disposable or that your friend only wants to nourish the friendship and put time into it when they can benefit from it. 
you know, like when, when I need you, you need to be here. But when you need me, I'm off with my boyfriend and I have no idea what's going on. And, um, I think that can be hard from the opposite side of things. But I also think that obviously what you're feeling right now of like, oh geez, I sort of got lost in this new relationship and I didn't put that time in and now I'm feeling really bad because I miss my friends and I love my friends and I've learned this lesson and I've, you know, I've had to learn the hard way that striking balance, um, between your relationship and your friendships is so important. And now you've had this moment of learning and you're like, well, shit, what do I do now? So I have a lot of empathy for you. I think it's a difficult situation and I think a lot of people end up going through this to some degree during their lives. I think even, you know, a lot of people are like, well, if I was ever in a relationship, I would never do that. I would never ditch my friends if I was in a relationship. And then sometimes you're in that moment and you behave in ways that even you yourself didn't know that you could behave. And, you know, sometimes things just slip through the cracks. We're not perfect people. And I think it's good that you're giving yourself grace during this time of lesson learning and reflection. And that's literally all you can do. Because having friends is so important, especially like being in a relationship. I really do believe that behind every happy, successful relationship is a, you know, a support group of friends and family members that each person in this relationship can rely on and confide in outside of that partnership. I I just, I'm such a firm believer that your partner cannot be your everything and that going through life takes a village. You cannot rely on one person for all of your needs to be met. I think that we need our partners, yes, but we also need our friends and our 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 sisters and our brothers and our parents and our parental figures, you know, we need people to rely on outside of just this one person. And I think that's a lesson that we all learn and sometimes people learn it in more difficult ways than others and I'm sorry that you had to learn this lesson in a more challenging way. But I will say that just because that is the current situation, just because you have gone a year without putting time into your friendships and you're sort of like, well, what the fuck do I do now? That doesn't mean that all hope is lost. I think perhaps on the bright side of this, because this is something that a lot of people can relate to, a lot of people have experienced either one way or the other, um, people can hold space to accept and heal and forgive. I think that sometimes all it takes is writing a quick little note, handwritten letter or a text, just sort of pouring your heart out. To your friend and saying that you're sorry for not being there and for deprioritizing your friendship to the point where you've drifted over the course of your relationship, I would share some of your reflections and learnings with them. And I think that we can hope for forgiveness. We can apologize and we can say like, you know, I really want to be friends again. I want to work on rebuilding our friendship again and hope that it's received positively, which I think most of the time it will be. But we also have to be prepared for the fact that those friends might not want to be friends with us again. And that's on the table. But I I, I think what is more important is putting yourself out there and like telling the people you love that you love them. If you have these friends that you were friends with before, close with before, that you really love and you feel bad for sort of abandoning the friendship during this relationship, I think it's worth telling them that. And maybe you guys can work on rebuilding that friendship. But at the very least, I think it's always a good thing to like tell people how you feel and to just let them know that you care about them and like that you miss the friendship. I think that always feels good to hear from someone. But yeah, you have to be prepared that that might not go the way that you want it to go. Um, And that's just, you know, that's part of life. But um, I think beyond that, there are so many ways to meet new friends. I mean, I feel like I have, in, in the last year of my life, I feel like my friend circle has expanded like tenfold, which has been amazing. Honestly, I've met so many people on the internet. 
Um, obviously <laughs> I spent so much of my life on the internet, but my whole life I've always made so many friends on the internet. Um, long before I had followers, the internet was where I went to make friends. And so I still feel like the internet is a great place to make new friendships. Um, maybe there's someone that you are sort of friendly with in college that you've never asked to hang outside of school before that you could ask if they want to hang out. Like, you know, people that maybe we've always in the back of our minds been like, Oh, they seem cool. Like I'd like to be their friend, but just have never acted on. I feel like everyone has at least a handful of those people (laughs) in their head at any given moment. Um, hanging out with those people, having them introduce you to other people. I mean, I've talked before about how like I started a trivia team back in July and everyone on the trivia team who now we go every Wednesday, but everyone on the trivia team, like none of them knew each other before trivia. It's just like a bunch of people that I invited and now all of them are friends. And I think that like, that's honestly, that's how a lot of friendships are made when you're an adult is just like, knowing one person and then you're like you invite a person you invite a person and then they'll invite a person and they'll invite a person I went on a a vacation a girl's trip in 2019 where everyone on the trip knew at least one person it was like the first person invited one person who invited one person who invited one person and there was like eight of us on that trip I believe eight or nine of us and I knew two people going into that trip uh I was invited by my friend Kayla and I invited my friend Ashley and um, Ashley invited Mika which you guys have met on the show before I did an episode with Ashley and Mika it's the second episode of the show but that was the first time that I ever met Mika was on that girls trip and I think that like it's it's so funny how friendships are formed sometimes where it's just like you end up in the right place at the right time. Someone invites someone and you guys end up clicking. And then over time you see each other more and then all of a sudden it blossoms into like a beautiful friendship. And, um, yeah, I think sometimes it can feel intimidating to like graduate from high school and college and be like, Oh my God, how am I going to meet people now? But everyone feels that way. And honestly, like, I think it is way easier to make friends than people think it is because everyone wants a new you know, like, I don't know anybody who's like, no, I don't want friends. (laughs) I think like everyone loves meeting new people, spending time with those people. It's been like the greatest joy of my life this year, meeting so many new people, being able to throw dinner parties, inviting a bunch of people that don't know each other and being like, let's just sit around the table and talk for a few hours. That's so much fun to me. So Anyways, I just say all that because though I think that making friendships can feel super intimidating, I think it's always good to remember that like everyone feels that way and everyone is like, oh my God, making new friends. How do I do it? Everyone already has their own friends. And I'm sure some people might think that about me too. Oh, Maddie's already got her whole trivia group. She has so many friends. She's not going to want to be my friend. Meanwhile, I'm like, I love a new friend. You want to come to trivia? Come to trivia. Like most people are like that. (laughs) Everyone's just happy to make a new friend. So anyways, I want to just commend you for being so gentle with yourself during this time. I think that it is um, always a brave thing to be able to admit that you have done something wrong or made a mistake. And I think it's even braver to talk to the people that you feel like may have been involved in that process. And rekindling friendships is always a possibility. There's been many times in my life where I have had a friendship sort of fizzle, at least temporarily. And then we come back and, you know, things are different and, we're able to be friends again at a different time in life. I think that happens more likely than you would think. My advice to you is don't be afraid to put yourself out there to your old friends. I think that sometimes we'll be we'll be surprised what connections we can make when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable with other people. Mango is like burrowing her head in my arm as I'm talking. Hello, sweet girl. Hello. You're not going to like this next section of the show. Yeah. Yeah, no. You're not going to like it, babes. Because I think your mommy might get a little uh, animated in this section of the show. Mm. 
Yeah, no. I've got a lot to talk about today, so it uh it might scare you. It might scare a lot of people if they knew just how, you know, invested I am in this section of the show. Passion scares people. Yeah, yeah, it does. And today I'm feeling particularly passionate because I don't know if you've heard, but the islanders are back in the villa, mate. She didn't like that, but she's still sitting right here. Yeah, you knew what it was. You knew what it was. Love Island week two, baby. We're here and we, we've got to do a recap. So I feel like for week two of a season of Love Island, it's actually kind of crazy. Like, I feel like the drama this season has been pretty fucking good, all things considered. Um, which I feel like it's usually still pretty slow, but I've been loving it. So, okay, where do we even begin? So at the end of last week, it ended with a recoupling where Tanyelle decided to couple up with Ron, which was very out of left field. So much can change in a week, you guys. That feels so insignificant right now than it did last week. Literally nothing happened with it. They coupled up. Tanyelle and Ron spoke for a few days. Literally went nowhere. No sparks were had. It was just... It was a dud, babes. It was an absolute dud. So that was fine. Lana and Tanyelle had a chat about it. It was fine. It was very reasonable. There was no drama there. And ultimately, it was a storyline that was born and died incredibly quickly. Um, Tom and Zara shared their first kiss, and it was so fucking awkward. <laughs> I was, it was killing me. I just feel like he was doing that thing where you stare at someone's lips like you want to kiss them, which is cute, right? But if you're going to do that, you have to be the one that makes the move. <laughs> you can't just, like, stare at someone's lips and then just, like, be, like, stun-locked looking at their lips and not moving. And then just be like, well, like you're just like forcing them to do it. Like if you're going to look at someone's lips, you need to be suave about it. You need to be like smooth and sexy and then lean in and make the move. He was just like staring at her lips until finally she kissed him. And I was cringing. I was like, oh my God, that was so awful to have to watch. But good for them. Then we ended up getting two New Islanders from love island australia one of them is from season two love island australia and then the other one is from season three jesse and aaron jesse is gorgina absolutely gorge and aaron is the most boring man on the face of the planet <laughs> i just i feel like he's been there for a week now and i have no thoughts about that man my head is absolutely empty um but Jessie's super hot and she seems like a sweetheart. And the good part is that she is very into Will, which made me like her even more because the more I watch the show, the more I'm like, if I was in the villa, I would be going for Will. He's so dorky and funny and sweet and weird. He's very weird. And I love him. And I just feel like if I was in the villa, Will would be who I go for. So when Jessie came in and she was feeling Will, I was like, oh my God. Jesse and I, maybe we're in alignment. <laughs> maybe we have things in common. <laughs> but I just, I, yeah, I don't know how long it's going to last, to be honest. I'm hoping it lasts, but you just don't know what these things do, yeah. No, you just don't know. Okay, so this is when the Zara and Olivia fights start to become more of a thing. So after the... Zara and Tom kiss becomes public knowledge. Olivia ends up pulling Tom to be like, so what's up? Are we still exploring things or no? And I really blame all of the Olivia Zara beef on Tom because this man, like many other men in that villa, is so fucking vague. Like he doesn't give anybody a straight answer because he's definitely more interested in Zara. That's obvious when you're watching the show. But he does not end things with Olivia ever. It's still like an open door. He's like, you know, I'm I'm seeing Zara, but like it's early days. You know, you can't close things off. But then when he's speaking to Zara, he's making it seem like it is closed off and it's just him and Zara. But then to Olivia, he's definitely not doing that, even though there's clear that there's no spark between him and Olivia. It's just the whole thing is I'm like, Tom, if you could just make a firm decision, babe, 
then maybe this could be a lot fucking easier. But Olivia pulled Tom to be like, what's up? Are we still exploring things? Then Olivia comes back over to the main group and Zara starts asking her questions about what they talked about. And Olivia's like, that's none of your business. And then Zara and her start fighting and Zara is saying that Olivia is stepping on her toes. And then Lana was like, you're the one stepping on toes, babe. Like you stole Tom from Olivia. And then Olivia was like, I'm sorry, are you guys married? And then Zara called Olivia childish. I just can't emphasize enough how little amount of time these people have known each other. Um, and also how all of this could be solved if Tom just like spoke with a little bit more clarity. <laughs> It's his fault, but he's too dumb to know how to deal with the situation either. I've heard that people really like Zara and don't like Olivia. So in all these fights, they're like team Zara and they don't like Olivia. I'm team neither of them because I think they're both childish. (laughs) Honestly, when I watch those fights, I'm always like, do they realize that they're like the same person? I think they're two sides of the same coin because they're both clearly very sensitive emotional people which I love and I deeply relate to love you girlies for that but neither of them seem to be able to um like let themselves feel their emotions and like process them like fully and it seems like they end up getting defensive or shutting down completely and their fights just sort of go in a loop because instead of like bearing their emotions to each other, they just seem to be going back and forth like tit for tat on like the defense 24 seven. So it's hard to watch because I'm always like, do you guys realize you're actually not that different from each other? And honestly, if Tom would stop being a fuckhead, then maybe we could avoid this drama altogether. It just feels like it's totally avoidable to me. Um, so I'm team neither of them. And Maybe I'm against the British public on that one. (laughs) So the Aussies end up going on first dates. So Jesse takes Will and Tom, which how the fuck is Tom getting this much play for the most being the most boring man on the face of the planet? How the fuck is he getting this much play? Jesse takes Will and Tom and then Aaron takes Olivia and Lana, I think. Maybe I forget already. Did I write it? No, I didn't. It was so unimportant to me. <laughs> um, weirdest conversation of the week was, uh, was one that was very briefly just like glossed over. They were all laying in the beds in the room. At this point, Olivia is still in a couple with Harris. She's in bed with Harris and somebody asks him if he's ever considered having children. And he was like, I just don't know. That seems like far away. I really, yeah, I don't know if I want to have kids. And Olivia was like, how would he know if he wants to have kids? He still is a kid because she's 27 and he's 21, which babes, if you see that man as a kid, why are you in a couple with him? I already thought it was weird when they coupled up. I didn't bring this up last week because I was like, But I personally think it's weird for a 27-year-old to be interested in a 21-year-old. I don't understand that. So when Olivia was like even exploring, maybe starting things with Harris, I was like, but why? You are 27 and that man is 21. It just, that is, 21 is young. That is little baby I think like age gaps when you get older I don't mind a six-year seven-year age gap that's fine but 21 and 27 is like those are two different life experiences at 21 you do not understand a fraction of what you will at 27 it just seems like it's you know maybe the rule should be like your brain has to be fully developed before we say the age is just a number thing You know, maybe you have to be 25 before people start being like, date whoever you want. Because I think it's weird to be 27 and even entertaining it with a 21-year-old, especially if you're going to make a joke that he's still a kid. So how would he know if he's going to have kids? Why would, if you, if that's genuinely how you see him, if you see him like he's a baby who doesn't know anything, why the fuck are you in a couple with him? It was just confusing to me. I was like, that's suspect of you. Um... Next morning, they wake up and Tanya tells all the girls on the roof that her and Shaq fooled around a little bit. 
which is fine. I'm still ignoring Tanya and Shaq at this point because I still haven't recovered from the I'm a little baby fiasco. It just, I can't get behind Tanya and Shaq at the moment. We'll see if things can redeem themselves later, but for this moment, I'm a little baby is all I can think of when I see them. But right after Tanya told the girls that her and Shaq fooled around, like literally 20 minutes later, Zara goes downstairs and starts hitting on Shaq and is like, I'd be open to exploring things. Which is, I just thought was kind of crazy because she just got mad at Olivia for hitting on Tom the night before. So the fact that then the next day, after hearing that Tanya had like been at least a little bit intimate with Shaq, she was going to go hit on him. I was like, that seems hypocritical, does it not? You were just mad at Olivia for doing that. Like, either you're cool with it or you're not, but I'm confused now. Um, Normal day, elimination, Anna Mae and Harris end up going home, which was obvious that was going to happen. It was like the public voted and then the bottom three girls and the bottom three boys, Jesse and Aaron, had to decide who was going home. So Jesse and Aaron picked Anna Mae and Harris, which obviously everyone knew that was going to happen. Next day, there's a recoupling and the new Islanders come in right as the recoupling is about to happen. Ellie and Spencer. So before the recoupling even happens, Ellie and Spencer get to pick who they want to be with. And Ellie ends up picking Ron and making it so that Ron and Lana can't be together for yet another week. And Spencer ends up picking Olivia, which worked out well because she was the only single girl because Harris had just been dumped from the villa. Um, Ellie, I feel like I don't remember anything about her. She's cutie. She's a blondie. And that's all I know. And Spencer... Uh, is a sex toy salesman. So I love him. (laughs) So the New Islanders come in, recoupling happens, and then either that night or the night after, Shaq and Tanya end up going to the hideaway. And um, hideaway seems luxe this year. But you know what I don't understand? Why do none of the people on Love Island like use the fucking private hot tubs and pools in the hideaway? If I was on Love Island and I went to the hideaway, I would be naked in that pool immediately. And I don't think I would even care about that being on TV. Like, I'm not going to fuck on TV. You know, I'm not going to go in the pool naked and be like, hee hee, and then just like, fuck. They used to do that in season one and season two, but they don't do that anymore. Love Island had to crack down. But, like, I would go skinny dipping in the pool if I was in the hideaway. But they don't even touch the fucking pool. You have, like, a private little pool and hot tub and you guys aren't even going to sit in it and be sexy? Glass of Prosecco in the hot tub? Come on. You guys are boring. (laughs) That seems like so much fun. Every time I see a clip of it, I'm like, I want to be in a hot tub with a glass of Prosecco. Literally, after I watched the, uh, the episode, I was Googling. I was like, hotels in New York with private terrace hot tubs because I'm more than anything just like want to be hot in a hot tub but alas no one wants me to be hot in a hot tub everyone's getting 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 in the way of me living my hot girl fantasy um okay so Ellie partners up with Ron and Ron is just catching L after L over here this man sucks he's also terrible at communicating similar to Tom um He tells Lana that he's like totally uninterested in Ellie and he's just going to sack it off immediately and she doesn't even have to worry about it. And then he goes over to Ellie and is like, yeah, I'm open to getting to know you. (laughs) It like doesn't end it at all. And then goes back over to Lana later in the night and is like, yeah, so I know I told you earlier that I was going to end it and I only had eyes for you, but actually... I'm going to, I'm going to explore things with Ellie. And Lana was like, so what do you think this is? Like, do you think I'm cool with this being like a triangle? Because that's not what's happening. So if you're going to explore things with her, I'm taking a step back. It's not like you and I are going to be kissy, cuddly all the time. And you're going to go explore things with Ellie at the same time. Like you're either exploring things with her and I'm taking a step back or you're not exploring things with her and you're exploring things with me and we can continue the way we have been. And he was like, well, I've got to, I've got to be sure I've got to like, just suss this out. And if I, if, if I come back to you, then we'll know for sure, which I feel like every man ever on love Island says something like that. And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you, what do you actually mean when you say that? I just, I've got to like 
sit on a couch and just talk to this girl for like two days and then I'll I'll be able to tell if it's like the right thing for me or if you're the right thing for me I'm like what's going through you guys' brain when you have those conversations like do you think they're actually weighing pros and cons of being with someone like yeah we're compatible in this way and that way or whatever do you think they're literally just like boobs Lana I wrote down a quote that Lana said she said you can have the best of both worlds and I'm just not in the world that you're in right now and I was like slay Lana Lana slay Lana's definitely my favorite islander at the moment it's Lana and Will which also I love Lana and Will's friendship so much it makes so much sense to me because they are my favorite islanders definitely Will's a sweetie Lana's a sweetie they're just sweeties I'm a sweetie fan at the end of the day (laughs) Um, and Lana also was talking about how she just gets too kind and they walk all over her and she started crying and I was like I literally wrote in here Lana my sensitive queen heart because she is Lana is my sensitive queen and I love her for that um so then next morning Tanya and Shaq come back from the hideaway Tanya says that she did everything with Shaq she did the whole whole shebang and as she said that like all the women were on the roof like ah! <laughs> I just wrote I love women <laughs> I just thought that was so sweet I love how excited people get in Love Island when they're like I had sex everyone's like because ah! <laughs> like same I'm fully invested in that and that's like one of my like small joys in life something that I just think is so sweet and so cute is when like the besties are like tell me everything and then you tell them and everyone just sits there going "Ah! oh my god (laughs) I just think it's so sweet it's like the sound that TikTok sound plays in my head is like god how I love being a woman because I just think that little friendship moments like that are so sweet so I liked seeing that I thought that was nice um So then uh, Ron ends up talking to the guys about how he's like unsure and he's maybe going to explore things with Ellie. And then Shaq was like, dude, I love you, but get fucking real. (laughs) Like you're being a dumbass right now. And suddenly I was like, wow, Shaq regaining points in my book after the I'm a little baby fiasco, which that was more Tanya than Shaq, to be fair. So maybe I'm a Shaq stan now because I love that he called Ron out and he was like, dude, you're my bestie love you but you're you're a dumbass <laughs> and I thought that was cool I liked that so points for Shaq maybe redemption after I'm a little baby gate is possible <laughs> more Zara and Olivia stuff happening again just a lot of fighting over Tom the most boring man on the face of the planet so I don't really know what's happening there do not think he's worth all this um And I I think it's funny that Olivia has emphasized a few times that she's the kind of girl that needs an emotional connection before a physical one, which is completely fair. And I agree with that. I'm also that type of person. But I think it's funny to be that kind of person on a show like Love Island that exclusively casts men that need a physical connection before they say even one deep thought to you. Before they say even like a fraction of a deep thought to you, they need to have sex like four times. So I just think it's funny because I'm like, why are you on Love Island? (laughs) I just don't know if Love Island is the show for people who need a deep emotional connection before a physical one. Like you're only there for two months. I just, okay. (laughs) I just, I don't know if it's going to work out for you, babes. Um, and then they did like, um, I guess, I don't know what it was. It was like a, a game where they were sitting around the fire pit and they had to pop balloons in a sex position. And then there was like a, a dare inside a truth or dare inside of the balloon. Um, and when Tom went, he got one that has said that he had to pick the ideal face, body, and personality of his partner of the girls in the villa, which they definitely gave it to him on purpose, which I thought was kind of fucking evil of them because it's clear that Zara's struggling and I feel bad for the girl. She's clearly not having a good time and um, she seems a little insecure. So I felt bad that they gave Tom that because no matter how he answered, it's going to make Zara feel bad. Like, I don't know. I I would feel bad about that too. 
Like, I don't think that if, if I was seeing someone and they were like, pick the face, body and personality, no matter what they said for me, like, obviously it's like, well, I want them to say my face because I want them to think I have a beautiful face. But if they say my face and not my body slash personality, does that mean that they think I'm the most boring fucking bitch on the planet? But if they say personality and then don't say me for face or body, like, does that mean that they think I'm ugly? (laughs) So it's just like, uh, I, I see, I feel like Zara gives me anxiously attached girly energy. I just feel like I identify with her in that way. She comes off to me like she's an anxiously attached girly. Um, so when Tom had this question, I was like, this is not good. This is really, really not good. Um, and I don't even know who Tom picked. I think he said the face of Olivia, the body of Zara and the personality of Lana um yeah but I felt so bad when he got that question and I was like ah the producers did that on purpose because Zara cannot handle that knowledge um and then that was it for this week pretty much so we'll see how week three goes um my islanders for week two were Ron and Olivia again I ended in third place so I went down a little bit this week And then for week three, my Islanders are Ron and Lana. So hopefully Ron and Lana are on the up and up and Ron stops being a dumbass. Because if he isn't, he's going to lose me some points this week and I would hate that. So God damn it. I've been talking for an extremely long time. So I'm going to end this episode. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. Um, I hope you have the best day ever. I hope you are living and loving. Living, laughing, and loving, as they say. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.